We've got a conference starting now, uh, and tomorrow, if you haven't registered for that, you should definitely get around it. Tomorrow's going to be amazing. We've got this incredible lineup of people who are going to be speaking to you uh, and proclaiming the gospel to you. So I want to encourage you to get around that. We'll talk more about it later. But the theme of this conference, the theme of this night is encounter, is encounter, uh, believing that God wants to encounter his church. And I want to talk tonight on the theme of the mountain of God on the mountain of God, that God is the God of the encounter, and so often he encounters us at the mountain. And I'm a dad of three young kids, and one of the things, yeah, I know, amen, it's good. One of the things I love about being a father of three young children is that all of a sudden I can play hide and seek again without it being weird. <laughs> For some reason, when you're an adult and you're hiding in a park behind a tree without children, <laughs> it's looked on less than favorably. But when you have a few small people who carry your genetic code, all of a sudden it's a wonderful thing. In fact, you're a bit of a hero. People go, oh, what a lovely dad. <laughs> when all I want to do is play hide and seek. And uh, in our household, hide and seek's been played pre-kids and now it's played even more with kids. We love hide and seek. And um, my oldest son, Bailey, who's now six, when he was three years old, we decided we'd play a game of hide and seek. And here's how it normally rolls. Normally what happens is we say, okay, let's play hide and seek. I'll count to 10, you go hide. So he says, okay, no worries, dad. I start counting to 10. By the time I get to 10, there's Bailey in the middle of the room with a pillow over his head, just hiding because I can't see him, or he can't see me, therefore I can't see him. So normally what you have to do is you've got to say, where's Bailey? can't see him anywhere, you're walking over and he starts giggling and it's good fun. But this one time when we were playing, I counted to 10, expect to see Bailey in the lounge room just hiding under a pillow, but he wasn't there. It was like he'd just vanished. So I thought, oh, maybe he's got a bit tricky here. So I got up, started walking around the house and I actually couldn't find him anywhere. Now when it's a three-year-old and you can't find them, you get a bit worried, you start thinking maybe they've gone down the toilet or something because they're little or and then my wife comes in and she's like he's gone outside and we live on a main road she's like he's on the road he's gonna get hit by a car so she starts freaking out which causes me to freak out a little bit so we go outside can't find him anywhere we run out the back can't find him anywhere we are starting to stress and what was Bailey all of a sudden it's becoming Bailey <laughs> Bailey where are you Bailey Bailey and we start saying that sort of stuff and we still can't find him. He's being dead quiet. And then it got a real, like, pretty stressful. And we started doing this one. Bailey! <laughs> Bailey, where are you? Are you here? And then out of the back recesses of our house in, in what's now a bedroom, but then was a storeroom. Those who have bought a house know at some point you have a storeroom. And we're like, we just hear this little voice just go, So I walk into the storeroom, I'm like, where the hell is he? I still couldn't see him. And I said, woo. <laughs> and I hear back, woo. <laughs> and as it happened, he had climbed behind a wardrobe, wedged himself in and was effectively suspended against the wall in the wardrobe. <laughs> and that was his hiding place and he had stayed still the entire time. The entire time. So now when we play, we actually have a safe word. That safe word is woo. <laughs> so we know where they are. But what I found funny about that, and as 
the more I think about that is so often that's actually how so many of us see our walk with God, is that we are searching for God and that he is hiding and that he is difficult to find. You know, I talk to some people and they say, oh, when I found God, you know, when I found God, and I've got another mate who every time he hears that, he says, that's interesting, I didn't know God was hiding. But so often we say, you know, we, we think of God as this thing that we have to Uh, that we're chasing after, but he's hard to find, he's difficult to locate, he's aloof, he's distant. But I want to proclaim to someone tonight that that is actually not the God we serve. It's actually that God is actually the one who is doing the seeking. And we are actually the ones who are logged behind the wardrobe hiding. And what God is doing is he's calling out our name and he is saying, I long to find you. I long to encounter you. I long to take you and draw you to myself. All I need you to do is simply pop your head out from the cupboard and say, here I am. Here I am. Come take me, King Jesus. You know, and when we look at this idea of encounter where God would meet his people, what we find in scripture is over and over again, there's something really interesting about the mountain of God. Everyone say mountain of God. You see, the mountain of God is the place scripturally where God over and over and over again encounters his people. You see it in the book of Exodus, you know, where he tells Egypt... uh, The Israelites have just come out of Egypt and he says, come to the mountain, gather around the mountain and I will appear. And so Israel gathers around the mountain and God comes in might and power and glory and he sits in there at such a terrifying sight that they actually then reject him and say, no, 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 just speak to Moses and he can tell us what you're saying. But God came to encounter them. God came to encounter them. We see it with Elijah when Elijah has done some incredible things and he's he's afraid after this for some reason, which we could get into another time, but we don't have time tonight. And he runs to the mountain and it's at the mountain where he encounters God. We see with Jesus and the disciples that Jesus is constantly taking them where? Up the mountain to pray. He's constantly taking them to this special place, up the the mountain. We see that Jesus is transfigured and he reveals his glory where? Up the mountain. You know, there's something about the people of God that are actually called to be mountaineers. We're actually called to be mountain climbers, to climb up the mountain, to ascend the hill of the Lord, to come up the mountain and be with Jesus. But the more I think about that, I start to think about, well, what does that look like for us now? Because last time I walked up Mount Lofty, I didn't see a raging fire of God. My wife and I, beginning of this year, we went on a trip to Tasmania. Anyone been to Tasmania? So we went to Tasmania and we did a walk called the Overland Track. And on one of those days, you walk up this place called Mount Ossa, which is the highest peak in Tassie, right? And it's this amazing place where you go and... Thousands of people go every year to walk up this mountain because there's something special. There's something sacred about a mountain. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. There's something about journeying up a mountain that is profound. And when you get to the top of it, you're like, man, there's something about this place. And so we walked up this mountain and I kind of went up there thinking, I'm going to have an epiphany here. You know, this is going to be, I'm so excited about this. I'm going to get to the top of this mountain and I'm just going to open myself to God and say, God, speak to me. Like, I want to be a mountain climber. 
So I climbed up the mountain thinking, yeah, God is good, God's great. And I got to the top and everyone had told me how magnificent the view was, how beautiful the landscape was, how incredible the view is. And as I see the view, I'm just going to see God's creation and his hand and be like, oh, wow, how good you are. And do you know what I saw? This is what I saw. (laughs) What they forgot to tell me was it rains 310 days a year in Tasmania. So I got to the top of that mountain and I was disappointed. I was like, well, God, I'm not exactly having an epiphany. What is this mountain place you speak of? What is this mountain that you're calling me to? And I realized that maybe some days, maybe for some of you it is, maybe it is that physical journey up and God meets, but it's actually not about the place where you set your feet. It's about the heart that seeks. You know, the mountain of God For us in this place is any place where the people of God would simply say, woo, would simply put aside everything else because that's what a mountain is. Where if you want to journey up a mountain, you're giving a day, you're getting rid of everything else, you're putting it all aside, you're dropping whatever is going on in your life, you're saying, I will come here for this purpose at this time to hear and receive or do what it is that I want to do. And so what God is saying is the mountain of God for us in this generation is a people who would set aside time to come and meet with him, knowing that as we do, it's not us who finds him, but that he is there waiting for us to come, that he is actually saying, come to me, I'm here. He's calling out your name. He's saying, just make some space so you can hear me because I've got a word and I want to encounter my people, but you've got to come to the mountain. You've actually got to set aside what it is that you are doing. That can be half an hour in your bedroom. That can be in your shed while you're cutting wood if anyone's a builder. That can be anywhere. But in that place, it's got to be where you are setting aside your heart to ask and seek and knock. Ask, seek and knock. And as we seek after God, we realize that he's the one who's been calling us all along. You see, God is calling us up the mountain. And this is why we run events like this. This is why Ignite is what it is, because we believe that God is wanting to bring his church, unite his church across the entire state, across this city, to draw us up the mountain where we might encounter God because he is encountering us. And I want to just tell you something uh, briefly from the book of First Kings. And if you've got a Bible, you can go there. But in First Kings, we see this story of Elijah. We see a story of a man who is going through some stuff. And he comes to a mountain. And it says this from uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 9, we'll read from. It says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. 
for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I wonder if God is saying that to you right here, right now. What are you doing here? What is it that you seek? Why have you come? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to the death with the sword and I'm the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Anoint Uh, Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, there's another word I'm not going to say, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Then catch this. Then he says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Now, there's a reason we come to the mountain, and it's not for a show. There's a reason God calls us to the mountain. And some people say that you shouldn't have mountaintop experiences. They say it's a false thing, but I totally disagree. I think we're called to be a people who continually go up the mountain to receive from God, encounter God, and then come back down to be empowered to get into this world. You know, when we see Elijah up the mountain, there's three things that I see that I want to briefly touch on tonight. The reason we come... And we'll go to that next slide. And the first one is this. What we see is that it's in the mountain that we gain some perspective. Does anyone here at times need perspective? You know, have you ever been in a place where you struggle to see what God is doing in the world? Have you ever been in a place where you get so caught up in the stuff that's going on in life that it's hard to see the fact that Jesus is king, that Jesus reigns? Do you ever need perspective in your life? One of the things that we've been doing in our church recently, we've been studying the book of Revelation and what's been coming out over and over and over again is that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is King, that Jesus will reign forevermore, that he was and is and is to come, that he has won the day, that he is victorious and almighty. He is the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. Sometimes it's hard to get to get that perspective when we're just going about our everyday life. Sometimes we get caught up in the fact that I've got a flat tire and I'm having a shocking day. Sometimes life just flat out sucks. Sometimes life is awesome and we're so caught up in how great we are that we lose sight of how small our greatness is. Sometimes we actually need to get some perspective. We need to go up the mountain to catch a glimpse of the glory of God, that it might shape our future, that it might transcend all of our other thoughts, that it might put our lives in the right position before God. You see, perspective on the mountain is very humbling, but it's also something that is so uplifting because you realize I'm not in charge. 
I realise that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is King, he is Lord over all, and that I can rest in him, that I can rest in him. You see, we need to go up there to gain some perspective. And my prayer as you come here to this event, when you join with the rest of the Church of Adelaide to worship God at an Ignite event is that you actually leave not even thinking about this ministry. What you leave is you're thinking about Jesus Christ. You know, our heart is that you would go away here just saying, man, Jesus is Lord. Jesus hasn't given up on the Church of Adelaide. That Jesus is actually calling the Church of Adelaide to be a place where revival breaks out in this nation. We need some perspective. So we come to the mountain of God. Will you be a mountain people? Amen, brother, I'm with you. Let's be a mountain people. Here's the second thing that I see from this story. You see, Elijah gets this incredible perspective. He goes up there and he starts talking about the fact that, you know, I'm the only one left. He's like, you know, what's going on? And God just says, dude, I've got 7,000. And I've got these key guys who are going to fight the battle with you. You are not alone. And I feel real strong before I go to this next point that I need to preach to someone in here who's leading in a church and you feel completely isolated. You know, sometimes the church is actually the worst place. I've got to be careful how I say this. Sometimes the place where you should be built up and encouraged is the place where you get torn down. And sometimes it's easy when you're leading or you're serving and you feel like you're the only one. Like Elijah, you go, God, what the heck is going on? I'm the only one. And what God wants to remind you today is, no, 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 look around, friends. Look around. You are not alone. There are people who are walking with you to fight the good fight of faith. You are not alone. You know, get that perspective. Get around some people and let them champion you for. The next thing that we see is this awesome provision. This awesome provision. When you come to the mountain, not only, not only do you gain perspective, but God actually provides for your needs. Because Elijah goes up there, Elijah goes up and he's got this quarrel, he's got this qualm, and God actually specifically gives him Four people to help him in the fight. Yeah? It's not just an airy-fairy promise. It's not just a, well, I've got these guys. He actually says, these are the people who will meet your need. These are the people who will go with you and do what I'm calling you to do, to empower you to do what I'm calling you to do. You know, does anyone here need provision for their life? Does anyone here need some provision for their ministry, for the place where they're called? Does anyone here need just a little pep-up? Does anyone here need some courage? You know, sometimes we need something from God. Sometimes God's calling us to this mission and we're like, I don't have what it takes. And he says, I know you don't, but I'm with you. And I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to be there right with you, walking with you. Right? Which brings us to this next one, which I think is so important, is that it, 
He doesn't just give us a perspective, but he actually provides, us so, provides for us so that he can empower us. So that he can empower us, not just to stay on the mountain, but to come down the mountain into the world to declare the gospel of grace. This is what I love about when we see Jesus up the mountain of the transfiguration. The disciples go up with him and they're like, whoa, this is amazing. Let's build you an altar. You know, let's camp out here for a while. This is crazy. And what does Jesus say? He goes, no, 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 we need to go down the mountain. What's the first thing they do? They start healing people. And what Jesus is telling them in that moment is the mountain experience is not just for you. Yes, it's for you. Yes, you need it as a Christian. You need to come and encounter God on the mountain, but it's for the world. It's for the lost. It's for the broken so that the church, so that the body of believers would not be just this weak, impotent body, but we would be empowered by the Spirit of God to do the work that God has called us to do. We are not alone. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 1. I believe God wants to empower some people today. I believe God wants to empower some people. Actually, let's go to 2 Corinthians. That'll be better. 2 Corinthians 12. Catch this. Verse 9. Let's go from verse 8. This is Paul speaking. He says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take a thorn away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Sometimes it's, like I said before, it's so easy for us in our lives to go away thinking, yeah, things are going well, life's going well. Sometimes it's so easy to doubt ourselves. But what God would have us do is He would have us come to the mountain to gain the perspective that He's provided His Holy Spirit to empower us for the journey. You know, that He would uh, teach us to recognize that, yes, we are weak, but that is exactly what we need to be. We actually need to be on our knees before the King of Kings. We need to understand that His power is made perfect in our weakness, that He has transformed us. If we're trying to do this on our own, if we're trying to do this in our own strength, in our own righteousness, in our own glory, we will always fall short. But the moment we come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we understand that because of what Christ has done for us, because of the cross, because of His death, and His resurrection, that now we stand as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that it is not of me, but of Him, that I actually carry His name, and by His Spirit, I am empowered to carry that message to a broken world. That is life-changing. That is so transforming. And I want to tell you a quick story before we stand and sing again, but this is, this is what God is doing in Adelaide, right? A couple of weeks ago, a lad that I used to coach basketball sent me a text message at 11.30 at night. He said, dude, what time's your church tomorrow? 
And I said, 10 a.m., what's going on? And he goes, I need some wisdom. I said, don't we all? And he said, will I look weird? I said, oh, I don't know. I think we're all a bit weird sometimes, but you'll probably be all right. I said, just come along. I'm sure you'll fit in. So he came along, never, never been to church in his life, not a Christian guy, and he came to church. On that day, I was preaching from Revelation. I was preaching about the beast, the dragon, and the woman. And I thought, good Lord, what is this going to do in this kid's life? After the sermon, he came up to me and he said, that was awesome. And then he told me a story. He said, a week ago, he had a dream that we were at basketball training and he needed to talk to me, but he couldn't. And then he said, he woke up in the morning, he thought, well, that was pretty full on. Like, you know, when you have those dreams, he said, but he ignored it. And then on Saturday, he was cleaning his room and from the top shelf of his cupboard, a piece of paper fell, one piece of paper, fell down and landed at his feet. And he picked it up and it was a letter that I had written him when he was in year 12, telling him to seek after truth. So he sent me that text and said, I think I need some wisdom. Now I get to meet with him pretty regularly and we're reading the Bible and I believe that God has already grabbed his heart. I tell you that story because God is at work. God is not hiding. God is drawing people to himself. What he's looking for are workers for the field. He's looking for people who can say the word that when these people stick their heads out and say, to the voice that is calling them, there will be someone there who can say, let me tell you about the one who calls. Let me tell you about the one who is drawing you to himself. And that power to do it is not from you. It is from the Holy Spirit of God. It is from Christ alone. And we have a privilege and an opportunity to partner with him in the mission of the gospel of grace.